Welcome to your best bets. Uh, not not a real exciting week last week, even though um, it's at uh, one of our favorite golf courses, Riviera. The tournament last week, the Genesis Invitational, was was kind of a kind of a letdown for the most part until maybe the last few holes on Sunday. Uh, we're going to talk about that tonight and uh, preview the Honda Classic, an event that once was uh, one of the premier events on tour, and now it's a I call it a schedule casualty. Uh, and now it's it's bringing in a, a not so great field this week, but we'll preview that. Uh, joining me to break that down is is someone that is not going to be a part of the Saudi Golf League. It's Johnny Strauser. What's up, Johnny? Phil, good to, good to be here. And uh, yeah, you're right. I did make my announcement um, this this uh, afternoon. It was a little bit late. You know, I had to wait to see what kind of DJ and Bryson did on, on making their decision on the Saudi Golf League and. Um, I am going to stick with uh, the PGA Tour, and all my uh, bets will will remain on that. You didn't put it. You didn't put your statement out through the PGA Tour like DJ did. Uh, do we? Uh, we have no thoughts that he actually wrote that, right? No chance. He, <laughs> he probably. I'm sure his people just kind of went to him, or the PGA Tour asked, and you know, because um, it was all kind of the way the thing was kind of going, and and. And uh, the direction of how the players were reacting later, you know, as the week was going on, I think uh, I, I think he just kind of said, "Hey, put this out there," because you, you know he's got a pretty good social media team, though. I mean, it's not not a great like website and Twitter handle, but I mean, he posts his people post stuff, and I was kind of shocked to see that the actual PJ Tour did that, and I was like, "Well, I guess whatever works." But happy to see it though, nonetheless. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about that in a few minutes uh, and the impact that 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 statement and that decision uh, has trickled down to be. Uh, Genesis Invitational this week. Uh, are you more upset that it wasn't a thrilling tournament, or are you more upset that your boy won and you weren't in on it? Oh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, obviously, I was big. I've been big on him last year. I was was very big on Yako Neiman. Um, really, haven't done it this year because I didn't see the play, and I, I stayed away from him because there wasn't much to, to how he was playing. But yeah, really, the the event overall was just not not very good. I mean, he won wire to wire. That's uh, you know that, that really happens on the PGA tour. And it's when was the last time it happened at this event was what 1969. Mm-hmm. I think Charlie, Charlie Sifford when he did that. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is one of the top, it could be a top 10 golf course. It's one of the best events on the P- best courses, I should say on the PGA tour. And, you know, it was just kind of an anticlimactic event that, you know, the, the good players kind of chased him, but he, he set the pace with a 63 in the first round, which I know, uh, you did very well with and, uh, followed up with a 63 and just kind of, kind of, kind of cruised, uh, you know, through the weekend there. Talk about our picks in a second. I did, I did not, uh, I did not do great with my picks. I was close. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was, I was fortunate enough to get Neiman on a first round leader, bet. it's the first one I've hit all year. And, uh, that was, it pretty much salvaged my week because I didn't do great otherwise, but 
Joaquin Neiman, his second tour win, uh, he won the Greenbrier, I think it was 2019, I believe. Um, I think that was the 1920 season. Yeah. Uh, He, it feels like he's been around forever, right? I think this is his fifth season now. He's been on tour since he's 19. And I I feel like we were just talking about this, how he's, you know, he feels like he's been a level level or two below, like guys like Mark Hovland, basically the same age. Uh, but I think this week proved when he's got the putter going and his short game was on display Sunday, it really saved him quite a bit. His ball striking is usually there. And I like a lot of these guys. It comes down to whether he can make the putts or not. And through the first two days, he was uh, that, that was 100% uh, full go for him. And then he, he, he did enough on the weekend to hold off Cam Young. So uh, your thoughts on Neiman, what he did, and uh, my favorite question, what's the ceiling? <laughs> well, I mean, you're right. Is yeah, it seems like this dude's been around for for a long, long time. He's only 23 years old, um, but has been you know turned pro right out of after finishing high school there, and and has been on the PGA tour there. And um, what people may not know about him um, because he's you know being South American and not having the uh, not playing college golf is he was the number number one ranked amateur um, before turning pro there. Didn't play in a whole lot of amateur events, but one most of them that he played in um, was mostly just went from the, the junior tour, junior tournaments, excuse me, to the amateur right to the pros there. So, you know, he's got a lot of game and he's had a lot of game for a long time, even though he's only 23, you know, and some months old there. So he's, he's in that age group of, of those good players. Um, you know, I wonder if the slower, uh, slower start to his career was not playing college golf like you see a lot of these uh, these, these young Americans. Um, you know, they're getting a little bit more experience playing that, and and college golf is trending a little more towards like tour, not tour life, but tour golf on, on uh, how the golf courses are set up and and playing multiple days and playing you know more frequently and everything like that. So, you know. Maybe this uh, this does you know winning on such a, a difficult golf course that he made look easy um, with a good field. This is a very quality win for him. I mean, Greenbrier, Greenbrier was a good win, but uh, you know this one here with the field that was in it was good. But as for as for his ceiling, this guy could be one of those maybe win once a year guys for uh, you know up through his prime. You know so. Could I see him winning 10 plus times on the PGA tour? Yeah, I could see that. I mean, if, if, uh, um, you, you know, if his, if his swing holds up, he's, he's, uh, a, an, an unbelievably good ball striker, but he's got a weird move through the ball that guys who have the, uh, a little bit of a, a hitch or a dip or, you know, some sort of little movement in their swing, you could lose that really quickly. But I mean, really, in the in the four plus years that he's been on tour, hasn't really had that kind of an issue. So, you know, it is going to be about putting. Um, he putted really well on these greens, and um, you know, struck it well and just put it all together. But you know, can he win a major? I, I think he could contend. I, I I don't. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say he's. You know, I'm not going to bet the over on the uh, 0.5 majors, but I, I definitely think this guy could win an event, you know, a year on average for, you know, a good 15 year stretch. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to say he's now ranked, what, I saw 20th in the world. So, of course, of course, the 20th ranked player in the world is capable of winning a major. Um, it seems like he might just be a, a tick below that capability at this point. Realistically, I, I give him maybe a year or two and just more experience and more time. I, I think his short game has to hold up. Um, you know, I, I feel like his short game really comes and goes. His ball striking is this reliable trait. Um, I was looking at some Honda stats uh, from last year, and I, I saw he he just he suffered like a, a meltdown around the greens last year at this tournament. So I I, I think we we saw what he can do um, around those tough greens at Riviera over the weekend, where he was able to uh, really save himself again on Sunday, like number eleven when he chipped in. Um, but I think that's going to be that's going to be the, the the turning point for him is whether he can he can really truly have an elite short game at a major championship. Um, yeah, the week wasn't it wasn't great by any means. I love watching the tournament. We talked about both of us uh, along with Zach how fun this tournament is to watch, and the weather was great, and you know it was still a great viewing experience even though the, it really wasn't that close. And it, I don't know if it was ever truly in doubt. It felt like as soon as Cam Young got within one or two, then Neiman would make a birdie and Young would make a bogey. Then it'd be four again. All of a sudden, that gap would close. Um, so it wasn't necessarily the most exciting event. And it's always hard when you when a guy gets way out early on Friday and he's up by four or five. It doesn't offer a lot of live betting opportunities like we like to do. And when you take a look at the board and the guy that's leading Friday night is already plus 100. And then you're like, where do I go from here? Um, which I think is this week. I think we have a lot of live betting opportunities, which we'll talk about. But so it, it wasn't the best Riviera event, but still fun to watch. Um, how terrifying is Colin Morikawa when he's the guy that's chasing you down? I would be, I mean, if I were in, uh, in Neiman's shoes or if I were, you know, if I knew he was within six or seven shots of me, um, I, I'd, I'd be scared. I mean, I, I really would be as, as well as he could get going with those irons. I mean, he can, he can, he just gets it going and he just, it seems like, you know, when you look at some of these guys on tour that, that tend to be, have early round success, or early tournament success, I should say, you know, and they end up, you know, faltering a little bit on the weekends. This guy's downright, you know, scary here on, on, uh, um, you know, final rounds there. Cause I think he can just kind of swing freely. And what I think also what he does is he, he, uh, you know, maybe let, loosens his grip pressure and makes, seems to make more putts, um, you know, and when he feeds off those good irons there, and he made some unbelievable pitch shots. Oh my god! Um, I mean, some of the some of the best shots, some of the hardest shots on that golf course from you know from a normal lie, he ends up holding two of them out there. So you know, this is just how this guy's going to be. And I like that how he just he's not going to be in that give up mode. You know, he's not there just to collect a paycheck. You know, if he's within striking distance and, and I mean, he shot a final round 65 there, you know, he, he definitely, he, he definitely is going to be fun to watch if you know that he's on the first or second page of the leaderboard, just, a few, you know, a few shots back. Uh, you know, something we've always said, uh, always being a year and a half on this podcast, but when he has to spike putting weeks, when it happens, he's, he's probably going to finish in the top five. And, and where was he this week? He was third in putting. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
I, I was shocked. I was so shocked he didn't make that that putt on 18 from nine feet eight inches. That you know, who knows if if Neiman's sitting over a second shot on on 18, knowing he's only up one, that might have been a little bit different. But really surprised he missed that. But yeah, he he is so dialed in with his irons, and we when he's making those eight to 12 footers, and then when he's making pitch shots off the green, like he did on seven, which was one of the more insane shots I've seen. And then he follows it up on 10, which is uh, was just even more unlikely, really. Um, yeah, that was that was crazy. Obviously, we we I think all three of us touted him at his number on the podcast last week. He was over plus two thousand. Um, I made him my best bet, came up just short. Bets weren't great. You you hit one. You hit uh, Morikawa over Hovland head to head at minus one ten. Um, Zach did he went over five? Unfortunately, sorry Zach. Oh. Um, I, I hit Adam Scott top ten for plus three fifty. Um, obviously just missed the Morikawa play really, really bombed on the uh, Thomas Peters play that one, that one hurt. And uh, of course, one of your guys just withdrew before the event and that, that never works either. No, that, that doesn't work there, but you know, like how we always talk about just, you know, one thing is we talk about, you know, placing, uh, these win bets. If you get some of these guys like Morikawa, get them top five. And let's say you put a portion of that bet on the top five. Like I've said, you you pretty much cover probably your bets for that week as long as you hit maybe you know one other bet there. So hopefully, if somebody somebody did the the Morikawa bet that you did take a, either a top five or top ten, even though the it wasn't plus money but not a huge payoff, it still would have been you know something something at least a decent little consolation price. What other takeaways from the Genesis for you? Um, any 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 other comments on the top finishers? Or uh, we saw Tiger. Tiger looked good. I, Tiger looked great. I mean, he was uh, walking around, uh, you know, with uh, without too much so uh, too much you know issue there, and you know looked looked happy and healthy and everything like that. I the way he was, and the way I had heard he was walking kind of up and down the, the the hill there from 18 green up to the uh, way up to the, uh, the clubhouse there. I mean, didn't see, and they said he wasn't laboring anything like that. So I think he's still targeting uh, an April return. Now, whether that's, that's, you know, possible, who knows? I, I think that interview was kind of, I didn't catch the whole thing with, with Nance when he was, Oh on my air. God, Nance was her, but he was just <laughs> pestering him. But it was, I think he's. I, I think he's really working hard, really targeting, doing that. Just kind of like what he did with uh, with the father son, you know, wanting to play with Charlie there. That uh, he really, you know, um, grinded it away while they were in the in the Bahamas there, um, you know, getting his game together. So I, I'm hoping we're going to end up seeing him. But as for on the course, though, um, you know, Victor Hovland impressed me with how he played the the middle rounds. Didn't start out very well, didn't finish great, um, but I think he had a couple good rounds there in the middle there with uh, 64 on Friday and 65 on, on Saturday. Um, I think we need to see more of that on these tougher courses from, from Hovland. I know he's got such a high ranking. I know he's a great player and, and everything like that, but you know, I, 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 I'm very encouraged to see something like that and to see how, uh, you know, how his game is going to translate under tournament pressure, you know, PGA tour pressure to, uh, you know, play well in those. So that was a good sign for me, even though it was a, like, I think tied for fourth is what he ended up finishing there. Um, it still ended up, uh, I, I think that was, a, that was a good sign as far as, you know, him competing in these, uh, other bigger events. 
Yeah, I mean, we we tout Hovland all the time. Um, I I I thought the ball striking would translate. I wasn't sure about around the greens, but he was adequate. Adequate being around 60th in the field around the green, but uh, not not the worst. Um, JT um, just continually teasing us. Um, it felt like he putted poorly, but I, I, the stats show he was 14th for the week. But it just seemed like on Sunday he gets it going cold and he loses confidence and it feels like nothing is going to go. I, I don't know. It feels like that's kind of been the story lately. I, I think that's just that's kind of him, you know, unfortunately or, or, or however you want to describe it. But it's just – He's, he's, if he misses a couple, he's so, he's so competitive. And I think he, he, he hasn't learned the, where he can't get down on himself. Like he's competitive, like Tiger, but Tiger was able to always forget about a bad shot or a bad putting stroke, uh, from a previous hole. And I think, I think that just lingers with JT and when he's, when he's playing well, like when he played well on, on, uh, on Friday and shot 64, it's just kind of automatic with him, but it's just, he, if he, if, if you see something kind of go wrong, it, it, it's hard for him to write the ship and, and he'll learn that over the course of time. But, you know, that's when you could kind of know that, uh, you know, he, he's going to really have to grind it out and, you know, it can't really turn it around as well as you'd, you'd hope a player of his caliber would. Right. Yeah. And, and I think he was on such a, um, a crazy pace of wins, right. From basically what 2017 when he won his major and I think he won four times when player of the year, I think 18, he won at least, at least twice, maybe three times. And I think 19, he won a couple started to slow down a little bit. And and maybe that, that pace was a bit, a bit unsustainable. I think he's at 14 right now at the age of 28. And, uh, you know, it's hard to win period. It's hard to win three, four times a year, every year. It's just, you just don't see guys do it um, really, except, you know, one guy in, in, uh, our generation, at least, that's been able to replicate that pace. Um, I mean, even guys like Rory and Dustin, um, Spieth, they they get these peak years, and then they they've kind of followed it up with maybe one one win a year for a couple of years, and maybe they spike back up later. So we'll see if JT can get get what I think we both consider his clear weakness with the putter and get that. Maybe get that uh, going in the right direction for Augusta because man, he's he's hitting the ball so well. Um, hopefully, he he gets that corrected and really gives himself a chance at Augusta. Um, I don't really have anything else from Genesis um, yeah, except for some from some uh, Saudi fallouts. So, but uh, yeah, Tiger looked good. Um, seemed happy. Seemed in good spirits. I I. I I'd be surprised if, if he played at Augusta still. It's so, it's, I mean, we're talking about a month away now, and it just it seems like it's such a uh, such a physical endeavor as we've talked about the walk there. But I, I think I think we definitely could see him at par three, and then if nothing else, that'd be that'd be a a nice uh, a nice treat, you know, middle of the week there at the Masters if we saw him at that point. Um, anything else from Genesis? Now let's move on to the the comments made prior to the event there. Uh, yeah, so I don't know where to start with this. We 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 talked about it last week. Tim and I talked about it two weeks ago. You and I actually hit on this, I think, in the fall when we did our little piece on uh, live golf. We talked about the PGL as well and, and the competing leagues. 
um, uh, I, I guess chronologically, you know, we, we talked about the Charlie Hoffman stuff last week at Phoenix. Um, we recorded on Tuesday night. I think it was the next day on Wednesday. Um, Alan Ship, the Alan Shipnuck piece came out with Mickelson. Um, Shipnuck is writing a book, uh, or finished writing a book that's going to be released, I think in May about Mickelson. Um, and he, I, I don't know if, I don't know if, if Alan Shipmuck should be uh, credited for saving the beach PGA tour, but I, maybe, maybe, uh, inadvertently that's what he did this week or last week. But, um, I, I think the quote that got me and I'm going to read this and we can, we can go from there and, and that'll propel us to, uh, what, what was said the rest of the week and what came out. But, um, Mickelson said, and, and, and this is on Shipnuck's website, the, the Fire Pit Collective, um, that he enlisted three other top players that he didn't name um, to pay for attorneys to write the SGL's operating agreement. Um, and once again, the SGL being the Super Golf League funded by the Saudi government um, and their basically unlimited fortune. Um, codifying that the players would have to control of all the details of the league. Uh, he didn't pretend to be excited about hitching his fortunes to Saudi Arabia, admitting the SGL was nothing more than what he called sports washing by a brutally repressive regime. I quote, they're scary motherfuckers to get involved with, uh, Mickelson said. We know they killed Kashagi and have a horrible record on human rights. They execute people over there for being gay. Knowing all this, why would I consider it? because this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to reshape how the PGA Tour operates. They've been able to get by with manipulative, coercive, strong-arm tactics because we, the players, had no recourse. As nice a guy as Jay Monahan comes across, unless you have leverage, he won't do what's right, and the Saudi money has finally given us that leverage. I'm not sure I even want the SGLs to succeed, but just the idea of it allowing us to get things done with the tour. When I, when I read that, Wednesday on Twitter, I, I was, I, I had to make sure I read it right because it seemed like that was uh, not a real statement that someone that's been around the block like Mickelson would make. Um, I don't I don't even know where to start with that. What was your biggest, what was your biggest problem with that quote alone or what he had to say there? So I, I had a busy week of work. So when it first the, first came out, I didn't hear much of it. I just heard guys were, were not, not doing the thing there. So I think I had talked to you yesterday or it was Saturday or something like that and, and looked into it a little bit there and didn't actually see the quote until then. And I was like, there, there's no way that this was, this had, this couldn't have been him. I mean, he's just, you know, he's flat out announcing that this is kind of just a, a, a leverage against, the PGA tour, you know, whether it's, whether the, the SGL is going to be, you know, a real thing or not, or if they're just using it to leverage themselves for the, you know, for the PGA tour to get, you know, more control of, of what they want. Cause you know, Mickelson's complained a little bit about, you know, about the turn, you know, a little bit about tournaments and stuff. And then what his own media rights of his own golf shots and right. uh, the PGA tour is very famous for being extraordinarily protective on their own, uh, uh, you know, with, with their own uh, recordings on, at their own events and everything like that. But I mean, to, to go out and then kind of criticize and uh, the, the Saudi government and, and at the same time saying, well, the PGA tour 
is is very controlling and everything like that it it, it was almost like it, it, it had to have made up like it literally like was just some some sort of joke or something like that and i i almost almost don't even believe it that that it was that it was said but i mean that's something that probably phil mickelson would say because i think he tends to want to be the smartest guy in the group in the room and right. Right. in this case he, he's smart but i don't think he is i mean Right. I don't know. Yeah. The, 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 the quote about wanting to get leverage is it's, it's just so insane. And to do that, you run into the arms of a murderous government uh, that he's, he themselves, he himself calls scary motherfuckers. I, I mean, the whole thing is almost so preposterous. You wouldn't think it's true, but it really is. And I, I, this is after, so he made these comments in November to Shipmunk and now, and now they're just coming out three months later. But I mean, at that time, that's when we found out that Mickelson was, was winning some of the pit money, of course, um, which was more than he had ever won in a single season. Right. And the PGA tour, just, just prize money, uh, I think was eight. So he got 8 million. That's what. Assuming he ended up. Right. Winning, I think it was one more final tally, but he basically announced that he won it. So I would assume he did. Right. Um, you know, and that's, that's that's also at the same time where they talked about they they've um, they were increasing the purse to um, for the players championship to twenty million dollars. Um, you know, the FedEx bonus pool was increasing from sixty million to seventy five million. So all all these. All, all the ways that the tour was injecting money and Mickelson was a direct recipient of that. And then he still, uh, still had that to say the, the whole thing has been really strange to me. And I, I don't know who the other top players were that um, were, were helping write the, the rules or the, the, the operating agreement or, or I guess their attorneys, but you know, was it Bryson that it seemed like Bryson was the most closely aligned with Phil this whole time? Um, of course, Bryson came out yesterday, and at, this was after Dustin came out and said that they were they were both aligned with the tour, and and that really seemed to be the last two pieces we were waiting on to see what what which way they were going to go. We had heard from all the other power players, like Rory. Rory came out a year and a half ago. Uh, John Rahm has come out. J- JT Spieth. Morikawa came out this week. So every, Tiger, of course, all the guys that we wanted to hear from, except Bryson and Dustin, who had really strongly been rumored, um, you know, to, to be part of this. Um, so those two chips falling out like they, they have, it, it feels like this thing, I don't want to say it's, it's dead because, um, you know, there's still some names out there that, that we, we heard, we heard, I, we, I think we talked about it last week that, um, Kramer Hickok said there was 20 players that were signed on. So there might still be guys that were, t- that, you know, with the Harold Varners that we know Jason Kokrak's all in because he, he wants to retire at 44. Um, he kind of wears that, wears that logo on his shirt, you know, Saudi golf. That's right. So, uh, and then, and then it's just a bunch of veterans, like Euro veterans, like Stenson and Westwood, uh, Graham McDowell. I mean, these guys, um, but I don't know where, where do you think this thing lies? Is this thing completely dead now? Dead in the sense that it's it, it it's got any significant relevance to American golf fans. Yes, 
I mean, this is basically going to be your, it's going to be the champions tour is what kind of this is going. If they want to go ahead with it, it's going to be guaranteed money for these guys who, you know, can't, can't win on the DP tour or can't win on the, the PGA tour anymore. And, you know, from 45 to 55 or 60 years old or something like that, you know, if they, if they end up going through with it, um, that's what it's going to be. And they needed, they needed Bryson or, and, or DJ to make it, make it relevant. I mean, I think that, I think that's what they were, they were kind of counting on was, was Phil Mickelson and, one of those two guys and you know you you there's pro, there's probably a few that have signed up and, and whether that's a you know the, that's an agreement that they're going to continue to go with despite you know the huge fallout and everything like that but back to just one more thing about the comment though that he made it almost sounds like phil mickelson was making that comment you know months ago thinking well, well let's build this up as much as we can in the next several months maybe it works maybe it doesn't because he, he didn't care for if it failed or not, he's just looking for one big final $100 million, you know, payday basically. And maybe he was using it to, you know, to actually gain that leverage, you know, with the pit money, with the players championship prize fund, you know, FedEx cup money, you know, things like that. But I, I think as far as this goes, I mean, if you like watching the champions tour, the, the, the SGL is going to be just for you. I mean, it's, it's that's what it is because you get guys and you might get younger guys, but you're going to get that quality of, you know, that, of that field, you're going to get good players, but you get these young guys who just never made it on tour, you know, that are Monday qualifying that are on the corn ferry, but they can, you know, maybe sign a, a more guaranteed deal to, you know, to, to take care of the families and stuff. But I mean, do you think in your, you know, our lifetime here, this generation, you know, you don't think that this this is ever going to rival anything what the PGA Tour does, do you? No, I don't think so. Um, you know, I, I heard this comparison today, and I, I thought it was pretty on point. the The USFL, the 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 Trump funded uh, football league in the in the eighties, had a it had some momentum for a while. They, uh, I, I remember Jim Kelly was drafted. Uh, to a USFL team, I think it was three straight Heisman Trophy winners. Um, they were really getting guys, but they just didn't have they didn't have the name brand that the NFL has, and and it eventually just it kind of petered out. And, and and this might just be that comparison for the PGA Tour, but it's it's losing legs before it even gets started. Um, you know, are, are, are you going to want to tune into an event like the Genesis with, with a historic golf course with all the top 10 players, or are you going to, you're going to tune into an event where I don't even know where they're going to be playing um, with Henrik Stenson, Ian Poulter, Lee Westwood, and, and maybe, um, you know, Harold Varner coming down the stretch. Uh, you know, it's just, there's too much going against it. Um, you know, it, it would make sense to me that if, you know, they're, they're not getting the stars that maybe they go for some, you know, they, they talk to some corn fairy guys and offer them 10, 15, $20 million guaranteed contracts. And that would be interesting to the young guys like that, that, that want to make a, you know, want to make some money. And, you know, I don't know where it goes now. I'm more interested uh, what, what the fallout is with Mickelson. Um, before we get to him, Bryson and DJ, they're not going to get nearly as, as much heat um, 
uh, as Mickelson. Bryson might because he's Bryson, but DJ will probably get off the hook, you know, mo- mostly scot free for this. Um, I know we're both big fans of DJ, um, but he shouldn't be totally, um, I guess he should, he should have some culpability for even considering this. So uh, against uh, on his resume. I think with him having just being under the speculation that it's a possibility and not denouncing his, you know, his possible candidacy to be a member of the SGL. Yeah. I think, I I think it definitely deserves some of that, but yeah, nobody, nobody's going to say anything because DJ can kind of just play dumb and just say, well, I didn't think I needed to say anything and everything like that. But you know, if generally in these situations, if, if he's not, if you're not going to say anything like as with, with the ease that everybody else said something so quickly that he was probably seriously considering it. And, and yeah, you're right. Bryson's going to get everything that uh, he's, everything that he, he, he's going to get is, is for a reason because, you know, he's not, not well liked among the fans and, and everything like that. But yeah, DJ deserves um, some blame here, but I don't think he's going to get much. And I think a lot of them, uh, I, th- I think Mickelson's obviously going to be the fall guy for a lot of, you know, a lot of what happens here uh, for obvious reasons. But I think he, I think he accepted that being probably getting the biggest check out of all of them. He was going to be the one that uh, um, had the most uh, kind of the most to lose out of this. So I think, I think we'll see that mo- more than anything. The, uh... I, I wonder if this is just a a golf a, like a, a small golf world story, uh, like a golf niche story. Um, you know, I was talking to someone that's that's a golf person, and they were they asked me if I had watched the tournament yesterday. I said, of course, and I said, what did you think of all the stuff that came out with Mickelson? They had no idea. Um, you know, golf Twitter is a really small sphere of people and we really enjoy it because a lot of people we follow are really into these kind of stories and, you know, the humor behind it. And, you know, that's, that's the fun part of of Twitter for us, but I don't know how big this is going to tarnish his legacy with, you know, popular sports fans, Uh, maybe golf specific golf niche fans like us. It's, you know, we might think differently of Mickelson. Um, I don't know. We'll see how we'll see how big of a story this this really is that as we go forward. I'm I'm so fascinated by this Mickelson thing. I said last week I I don't know if he's having financial issues. There's got to be something to this though. I mean, and I was reading a more of Shipnuck's article. Um, I guess he sold his jet in 2019, and um, you know the word is like that his jet was is basically like like his child um, or like like his. I don't know if he's got three kids, like his fourth kid. Um, Pat Perez came out and said this week that he didn't know what was going on with Phil, that he's dealing with a lot of stress right now. I don't know what that means. I don't know how a guy that annually brings in 40 to $50 million in endorsements that has made almost $100 million in the PGA Tour could be in a financial crisis. but that it feels like there's got to be something behind this motivation, doesn't it? I, I I saw the comments this morning from Pat Perez. It was like, what, what's he got that's stressing him out? I mean, he's the defending PGA champion. You know, he makes so much in endorsements. I didn't know anything about the, you know, selling the plane or anything like that. Um, 
I mean, the only thing I can think of is the, the, the fall guy in his, in, in Phil Mickelson's insider trading deal. Um, Actually, he was writing a book that's supposed to release sometime, I think it's next quarter or something like that. And he's got an entire paragraph that's, or I mean, I'm sorry, entire chapter that's dedicated to Phil Mickelson. So I don't know if there's some worry that uh, that there's going to be some truths that are coming out. And, um, you know, for, for people who probably are going like, what the heck's going on here? Um, he was always a big time stock trader and everything and uh, um, had gotten involved in some insider trading with this other guy. I, his name escapes me right now, but got uh, was basically the fall guy. He's in prison, and, and Phil Mickelson isn't, and it probably should be the other way around. So, uh, you're right. There might be some some things going on in life, but yeah, for for Pat Perez to say that, I mean, dude, just basically has to sit on the couch every day. He's got a chipping read out in his backyard, and all he does is can just tweet funny tweets all the time and dad jokes and. You know, now we got this stuff right here talking about, you know, scary motherfuckers and, and using it for leverage. And, you know, it's just like, <laughs> what is going on here? And, and yeah, I, I don't know how much of a big deal because I don't think a lot of the, the sports world really knows. It's kind of mainly reserved to the, the golf Twitter uh, that that probably, you know, I guess obsesses more about it than anything else, but I don't know what to make of that. I'm kind of very intrigued though, to see how the next several months plays out. Once this book comes out and once the other book comes out, what, what are we going to remember? Are we going to be talking about this months down the line here from this discussion here? Or is, is what is going to come about of this? And I, I'm, I'm kind of, kind of, kind of excited about it. I don't, I don't read generally, but I might, I might be uh, purchasing that book by Shipnuck. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait to see where we see Mickelson next. I, I don't know if he's just going to be like, Hey, I'm, you know, he'll just show up at the players I, I and just say, Hey, uh, all right. Can we just forget all that happened? Or is he going to release a statement or is it going to be a big presser there? I don't think we'll see him. Before the, the players, I know he typically doesn't play Bay Hill anymore. Um, so I, I, the whole thing is fascinating to me. I have I have a way out if if Mickelson's in a financial crisis. So do you want to hear my? Yes, I I do. He needs to become the next Tony Romo of golf, and he'll make twenty five million dollars a year. Oh, yeah, this is simple. I mean, stop playing and uh, replace Nick Faldo at CBS. Which, by the way. CBS is killing it in yeah. every way besides Nick Faldo. Besides Nick Faldo. That's yeah. it. And he yeah. could he can make 25 million a year. He doesn't even have to be at every event and he'll be great at it and he'll immediately uh repair his tarnish now tarnished reputation. Um so that's 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 my that's my resolution for Phil just hang it up. While you're still, you have some shred of dignity left and, uh, you know, go to TV and you can make all the money back that you've lost to, um, <laughs> what, however you've lost, <laughs> whatever it is, <laughs> yeah, whatever it is, according to Pat Perez, all these stresses. So we'll see how that, that pans out. Um, Honda classic, uh, you know, last year I, it was probably one of the more unmemorable events of, uh, 2021 was the, it was the classic when Matt Jones kind of just put everyone to sleep and won by a few shots, I think. And um, 
it was it was pretty unsurpri- a pretty surprising, but um, you know, not not that great. And like we mentioned, the field is not great this week. It, it it just is what it is. This this always has the feel of like there's always a a European in the mix uh, going into the final round or on the last nine holes. It's it's Tommy Fleetwood or one year it's uh, Terrell Hatton, Alex Noren. Um, you know it, it, it's just it's got a lot of those kind of guys and then a lot of mid level guys like Keith Mitchell winning. Um, Sanjay got his first win here. Of course, now he's, he's, I wouldn't call him a mid mid tier guy, but you know, guys like Michael Thompson went in here in the past. Um, so this, this course is traditionally one of the toughest on tour. Um, when the wind blows, it's incredibly difficult. Uh, you might see the winner four or five, six under, you know, if the wind is moderate or, or it's, it's down, it'll still be only 10, 12 under. That's, that's what it's been the last couple of years. Um, of course with, uh, uh, just a litany of hazards, of course, um, you gotta be really accurate off the tee. Um, it's not that long, but the, the, there, there is five par fours that play over 450. Um, you just really got to keep the, the ball in play here. Or you're gonna, you, you can shoot a 78 really pretty easily, right? Oh yes. This is, this is one of the hardest golf courses. We talked about Riv being one of the hardest that is, but we weren't talking about this golf course here, PJ or uh, uh, what the heck is the golf course called? National PJ National. PJ National. I'm sorry, um, is is really hard. It's got water hazards. It's classic Florida golf, but hard Florida golf. It's uh, a lot of water hazards. They're in South Florida, so they get uh, a lot of wind. Um, you'll hear all the time if you watch this event. They're going to reference the bear trap, like. <laughs> Every other minute, you know, and they're legitimately really hard holes and everything. And, and while the field's not, well, the field's not great. We tell you, you know, why, what are reasons to watch a golf tournament? If you like to see guys like this kind of suffer and not play well, this is perfect because probably one of the hardest courses. And, and like you said, it doesn't get the best field because of where it falls in the rotation. This is the first of the Florida uh, tournaments here and they've got what six of them in a row or something like that. And so a lot of guys take the week off, which is weird because a lot of them live like 15 right. minutes away, but most of them end up not playing. This is just kind of conveniently the, the, the best option not to play because I think they think the course is too hard. I think they just don't, they don't, you know, you look at the West coast, you don't get much wind, you don't get much rain. You just deal with cool temperatures in the morning um, and then perfect temperatures in the, in the afternoon. So scores were going to be really, really low. I mean, you, we saw, you know, we saw 19, 20 under par, you know, this last event here, um, winner is going to be 10 or 11 under par here, uh, which is a significant difference. So it's just, it's a hard golf course. It used to be an unbelievably good field, but because of this way, the way the schedule fits, it's just a very convenient week for these guys to take off uh, for those reasons. Yep. As you said it perfectly. And that's a good point about guys not maybe wanting to get, if if your game is not sharp, you could get embarrassed pretty easily here. Um, yeah, a lot of these guys are live 15, 20 minutes away in Jupiter, uh, you know, or members of the Bears Club locally. So that's, yeah, the, I think really, you know, the guys like Daniel Berger used to see, who's in the field this week, he used to see, I mean, JT won this event three or four years ago when it was still a really strong field and it's just gotten progressively worse. So the field is, it's it's really tough this week. Um, 
Sanjay M is is the headliner at plus one thousand, uh, going off as the favorite. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood, I think earlier today he was around plus two thousand. Now he's down to plus fourteen hundred. This is on DraftKings. Uh, Berger at plus sixteen hundred. I, I think he's easily the best player in the field, um, but there's obviously questions with his back and and how healthy he is. Uh, Ustazen at 1600 as well. Neiman going for back to back at plus 1800. Horschel at plus 1800. Uh, Brooks at 2000. Shane Lowry at 22. Those are the guys under 30 to 1. Joaquin Neiman, um, the way he hit the ball last week would really fit well here. Um, I know you don't like guys going back to back usually and, and, his bet, his his win last week wasn't a, you know, come from behind or have a, just a great Sunday. I mean, it's sleeping on the lead every night. Um, had to be in a bit of an exhausting toll. Uh, I can't think you're going to be headed toward Neiman this week. Not in a win bet, although I don't know. There's there's something about his golf game that I think really fits here. And and one of the stats I like to look at for this particular tournament is the strokes gain that just kind of is the best representation to me of overall ball striking um you've got to be able to drive the ball well you have to drive it extremely well and i thought about off the tee but i I do want guys who could hit their irons well so i'm just going to kind of go with the whole thing and go tee to green here as my favorite uh stat here And, and neiman really checks the boxes there i think last 50 rounds he's uh He's actually looks like he's fourth in the field at uh, uh, almost a full stroke game, uh, tee to green there. And that, that makes it really intriguing. I, I don't know if I will bet him to win. I don't think I will, um, but I don't mind him in like a top 10. I think he could, uh, uh, I think he definitely could play well um, because like I said, his game really, really fits. Um, the one guy I like here, and and I will say this because the field being, um, not as quality of a field here is shop around, look at multiple books here. Cause one guy I wanted to point out is I do, and I don't normally like him, but as a win bet, but Tommy Fleetwood has been playing some good golf. Um, and he fits that, you know, you mentioned a European player that, that shows up pretty well there. You can get him at 14 to one on the, the DraftKings Sportsbook, But if you go over to like points bet, he's still at 20 to one right now. Um, I have a strong feeling that, uh, um, that 20 to one is going to be gone come tomorrow. So if you're going to get it, get it, get it as quickly as you can there. But, uh, um, yeah. And, and, and he's got a good course history here. He's got a really good course history. Um, the Bermuda greens, you know, he's hasn't always been great on, but his ball striking though is, is phenomenal. I mean, it may be not as good as it was, you know, three, four years ago um, when he, you know, when he was finishing top five in some major championships, but it, it's still there. And um, he played well at, in some DP tour events. I think he finished Dubai, he finished 12th, eighth at, eighth at the Saudi event. Um, he was in a, he was in the Varner pairing, so I think he was in that that last mm, group there. So right, you know right. there 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 is some uh, a good play out of him. I like him. Um, I would still probably probably bet him at fourteen to one, but like I said, I think you can get a better number. Um, the other guy I and I, I hate to admit it is I don't mind Billy Horschel. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just, it's not a strong field. So he's a good ball striker and 
he he's had some really good punting weeks when he puts it all together. And I mean, he's a, he's a Florida man. So, I mean, you know, yeah. he, he plays really well in Florida and I don't think he's a bad bet on any Florida, uh, any Florida tournament. I, I think he's, he's got some value there. So I'm going to probably, probably put him on my betting card, maybe not as a best bet, or I'll try to find him in a matchup or maybe a top 10 or something like that. But I don't mind him, um, 18 to one as a, as a little bit on a win bet. Yeah. Horse was a good play. He, he really has played well this year. I, I mean, did he showed up at Torrey Pines early on Sunday? I remember, yeah. and we were like, "Oh my God, Horschel's going to win this tournament." Where really yeah. didn't didn't fit him that well. Um, yeah, no, Horschel is a good play. He, looks like you can find him at plus twenty two hundred on points bet. Looks like points bet might have some good good odds this week. Um, yeah, I, I'm really interested in Tommy Fleetwood. I'm not as interested at plus fourteen hundred, but plus two thousand I am. And I'm, I'm also debating a guy that also never wins in the U.S., Louis Oosthuizen, a guy that I always, always just destroy here. But I don't know, man. This feels like potentially a Louis week with um, just total ball striking, as you said, just being the, the paramount thing here, uh, keeping the ball in play. You know, you don't have to go shoot 20 under this week. I like, I want guys that play hard golf course as well. It's not necessarily a metric that you can find. That's more of an eye test thing. And and the fact is, Louis is always there in majors. He's always there at the most difficult courses. And, um, you know, the, the tougher it plays this week, that might, it might be an asset to him. Um, but I have to think about it because, again, he never, he never wins ever. Um, so, Ustays and Fleetwood have my eye. That's probably, the only only guys that I would look at under thirty to one, um, you know, Brooks is. It's a it's it's interesting to think about. I think. I thought his history here was unbelievable. Like, oh, this is a Brooks course, but he he only had the runner up to Mitchell the one year in nineteen, and it's not it's not been good otherwise. Um, so I, I just I, I don't know the 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 Phoenix thing was it was it was good for a while it was kind of disappointing for him on the weekend so i I think brooks for me is going to be a pass i uh uh one other one i want to mention is shane lowry um he has played pretty well in the dp tour events um been pretty solid there and actually lives uh he lives in jupiter florida so he's Hmm. he's one of the locals there so um, you know, and he's a great win player and that's what they're going to get. So I, uh, um, again, that's a pretty low number there. The, this first batch, these numbers are so low that it's real hard to pull the trigger on, on a win, but again, shop around and, and I wouldn't mind him at all. And he may not be a guy who wins a lot because he really hasn't. But I mean, if you're looking at a top 10 or top 20 finish, if you want to make some plus money. I think he's one of the one of the better options up there. I was looking back at my best bets for this event last year. It was it was Shane Lowry to win. Uh, so that's right. I remember it's, that. I was really high on him. It's funny you mentioned him. Um, Thirty-five to uh, let's just say sixty to one in that range. Uh, we have uh, Matt Wolf who ha- talent wise, you know, is is up there in the top two or three in this field. Um, 
you know, don't know where he's at. Really haven't seen him a lot this uh, the calendar year. The we saw him a lot in the fall where he played well. Keith Mitchell at thirty five to one. That's that's hard. It's hard seeing that on paper. And I actually liked the thought of him this week, but I'm used to seeing two, him at like one hundred fifty to one. Yeah, two weeks ago he's like a hundred to one. Yeah, I mean that's unbelievable how he jumps to thirty five to one as a former champion. Yeah, that's that's an unbettable number, unfortunately. Alex Noren at 35, Vegas, Poulter, Harmon, Mac Hughes at 40, uh, Mito Pereira, we'll talk about him at 45, uh, defending champ Matt Jones, 50, Taylor Moore, Zayden Hood, a guy we talk about a lot at 50, Aaron Wise, Westwood, um, Denny at 55, Cam Young, again, playing again this week at 55, and Ryan Palmer. Um so I want to talk about Mito. Um, I bet him today. Um, I don't know if you ended up betting him or not, um, but he finished 15th last week. Um, I think he ranks seventh in this field, T to green. Um, you know, he was kind of the darling of the fall when he had a string of good finishes, really seemed like he was close to a win. Um, Hailed off a little bit the early part of this the, the 2022 calendar season, but finished 25th at Farmers, 15th last week. Ball striking seems to be coming around. Um, on paper, if you look at a guy that's just got win equity from Corn Ferry events and the ball striking aptitude that the, the PJ National requires, I like Mito to um, on a win bet. I, I I don't know if he wins, but if I'm betting the ceiling, I like I like the number. It might be a little high because I think it wasn't that long ago. You could have got him at 100 to one uh, a couple weeks ago, but that's just that's just shows how bad this field is. Yeah, and and I don't mind him either. Um, you know, I've I've always mentioned him, or at least the the last fall, I was I was on him basically weekly here. Yep. Um, you know, fellow countryman wins this last week. Um, Mito, it's a lot of Spanish speakers when they're on the uh, on the road together, they always run a house. Uh, Mito, um, Yako, I think. Uh, um, Sergio Garcia, and they all kind of just just hang out there. So I wonder if there's some motivation there that there's uh, you know one of the guys in the house wins that uh, you know if that can propel him to some inspired play. But not only the inspired play, but his ga- golf game itself is just better. And you know I, I'm 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 going to bet him to win. Actually, I did bet him to win uh, after you told me there, and I saw that number there it was still pretty fair. Um, but he played well last week. He finished 15th, um, four rounds under par. Uh, you know, TD Green, good ball, good, good ball striker. So he he fits the, the the stat I want in in the players this week. So I'm gonna go ahead and and put him on my card in some capacity there. Um I I kind of want to throw something on Cam Young. I don't know if we're gonna see that guy win. But the number's still not bad, and you know, I, you know, I, I I don't see fatigue or anything like that into this week here. So, the with 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 a slightly worse field, you know, it, it could be something where he uh, can break through. Maybe not on a win bet, but you know, looking at something in the top twenty um, mm-hmm. or top ten. He has motivation. He's getting close to the top fifty. And top 50, I think if if he gets in the top 50 before the players, I think he'll lock himself into the Masters. So motivation for him to play well, for sure. Um, I'm looking at two guys at 
50. <laughs> it, is, it feels like it's two guys we talk about a lot. Uh, Christian Behazen, who I feel like we've talked about a lot. Um, normally, uh, courses that have any length, you disqualify him right away because he's he. If he's not the shortest off the tee, he's one of the shorter guys off the tee. I um, mean, he really, he's really a bunter out there. Um, but his short game has always been, uh, you know, really solid, really good putter. I don't know if we've seen the best of him putting on the PGA Tour. Uh, he's, he did his best work, um, I think it was the end of the 2020 season on on the, the DP World Tour. Um, I think he he won like two events and, and three starts. I like the thought of him. I got to think about that. And then the other one is Aaron Wise. Um, we know his ball striking is usually there. His putter is uh, a bit of a question mark always. I think it was this tournament last year. He was um, he was close to Matt Jones going the last day, and he he faltered. I think he I think he four putted on number ten last year in the final round, and it kind of separated him. But he has had at least reasonable success on this golf course. And, you know, we're in the numbers of 50 to one. And um, there's just not a lot of other guys that uh, interest me in this range. I don't know about you. No, I, and I, I think we might see a winner from somewhere in this area here, but the names though, they, they just, they're just not going to jump out at me other than uh, who you and I both mentioned there. Um, I, I don't mind Bizayden who that, that, that's, uh, it is very intriguing. And I think he, even though he hasn't won on the PJ tour, he's got that win equity there. Um, but you kind of look down the line there and what are we going to? Oh, uh, 6,000, 6,000 or so. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I just, I, I don't love it other than, yep. the, other than wise. And I, I I, I alluded to it earlier. I think this week does have a lot of live betting uh, value um, Yes, in, in a field where it doesn't feel like there's going to be a runaway winner. You could catch some interesting numbers on like a Friday afternoon. Um, this That's where the books usually, they might have someone coming up the board that they don't have priced accurately. So I might, I, I might not spend a ton uh, pre-tournament and, and save some of that back. Uh, for live, uh, sixty five hundred or I'm sorry, six thousand up to ten thousand. Uh, Johnny, is is there anyone in that range there that you like, like for top ten? Um, I see names like Pat Reed. By the way, did you see the Twitter video with him, like rubbing his his wedge and like rubbing it on the liner of his pants pocket, like inside of his pants pocket. And there's a, I heard about the tweet, but no, I didn't. I mean, there was a bit of a debate if he was rubbing some sort of substance on, <laughs> on his wedge. I he, don't think he was, but <laughs> he deserves he it though. I he mean, um, he's I, playing so bad. I, I, I don't even think this does not feel like a good setup for him with his ball striking right now. No, um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch Patrick Reed um, at this event here. Um, you know, we, we've talked about the short game and everything like that, but he, he's not, not driving the ball. Well, not, not hitting a lot of greens and, and this course will probably eat him up there. Um, CT pan has been playing pretty well recently. Um, he finished third out here at this event last year. And I think there's, uh, um, you know, 
it, it's a t- he, he plays tends to play tough tracks pretty well. Um, his his game doesn't necessarily fit the the profile of of success, but I mean he he just seems to seems to show up in these type of events that have tougher golf courses. Like uh, um, I think he played pretty well last week at, at Riv, and you know, like I said, the the third place last year. I'm not sure about, about a win, but you know, I do like him in a top spot there and, and Garrick Higo, um, good driver of the golf ball. Um, I'm not going to bet him to win. I know he's got the one PGA tour victory, but with this being a little bit of a weaker field event, you know, there's some, uh, there, there's some potential there with as well as he drives the ball. And, um, you know, if he just hits his irons, irons decent and maybe gives himself some, some opportunities, you know, I can see him making the cut and, and finishing in that, you know, top 20 range, you know, maxed out at. I haven't even paid attention to him since he won. I, 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 I or maybe he just hasn't shown up at all. He, he, he fell off the face of the earth that at the, at the, you know, when the wraparound season kind of started, I mean, he was missing cuts, like every, it seemed like every event there. And he's made a couple cuts, I believe in the, in the West coast swing. Um, so there is, there's a sign of life. It's, it's not much of one, but at a hundred to one, I mean, I'm sure you could find, you know, worse options like Ricky Fowler, or, you know, Pat Reed or something like that. <laughs> I texted you last night and I said the first guy I'm going to be looking for this morning, which is my traditional Monday morning, is, is checking the odds and and seeing what's available before the odds go down. As uh, I said, I like Russell Knox. I said I don't I don't know why. Maybe it's my it's my feeling like I had about Andrew Putnam a couple weeks ago at Pebble, but I just feel like Russell Knox is going to play well this week. He is um, a top ten in this field. T to green. Um, he's he's mainly an approach assassin uh, fourth in this field and approach the last 50 rounds. I thought his course history was better than it is. It's, it's actually missed the cup for the last five years here. Oops. But he did have that one playoff loss in uh, eight years ago here. Um, I didn't, it's one of those things where I'm, I just visualized him playing this course better than he has, but he has made three straight cuts uh, the last three weeks. He's actually finished 33rd the last three events. That's, that's kind of a weird stat anomaly, but I don't know why. I just love Russell Knox this week. I love him at the number he's at at plus 6,500. I actually bet him on a different book for a lower number, but um, that's that's probably going to be my best bet of the week, to be honest. Uh, just uh, just a good feeling about him this week that he's going to play well. Yeah, I would I would kind of back that up. I mean, good win player. He's he's, he's from Scotland, so you know he's grown up in the in the winds there. I liked him at uh, at Pebble Beach. Um, he ended up playing okay. He ended up making the cut and and having a finish there. But uh, yeah, this would be good. I would have assumed, like you said, that that the course history would have been a little bit better. But you know, it is what it is there. But doesn't mean that he, he you know, that he can't play there. And I'm going to tell you on that bet because I like that as well. One guy I did forget is what do you think about Denny McCarthy this week? I know he is the isn't he the Bermuda Greens he guy? Is. He he's is. he's a jupe he's a jupe guy. Um, so he's going to be sleeping in his own bed mm. here. I don't know what he's got for course history, but um, yeah. you know, third, third last year. Yeah. So okay, that's yeah. maybe why I was uh, thinking that might not be too bad. But yeah, he might be um, in line for a decent finish. And 
like we said, the, these type of greens now they're in Florida. They're not playing the Poana. They're playing the Bermuda grass, which is completely different type of grass to put on and it's different to read and guys who are from florida and live in that area typically are much much more used to it so as i've said here denny one of the one of the better putters on tour uh i I think i once said maybe the best statistically um and he raced out that really well on these screens um Tita Green, he's basically right around average, so he's going to need a better ball striking week than that uh, to contend. But uh, I like Denny. Um, my other guy in this range is Michael Thompson at plus 8,000. We saw him flash a couple times earlier in the year, um, and then I think there was a week everyone was on him, and then then he bombed and missed the cut. But then he came back the following week and played well. So, uh, you know, you're going to have that with guys that are 80 to 1, 100 to 1, that they're going to – they're going to miss cuts and you just got to kind of look past that and look at um, some other metrics. This guy has played well here. He's played, he's won. Um, he's a control player, accuracy guy off the tee. Uh, I, you know, I just, I, I think uh, at that number, I compared to the other guys around him, I, I like it. I like it at, at 80 to one, um, hundred to one and above um, Johnny, the, field is as we talked about it gets super rough uh all the way down to alan morin the last guy on the odds board here um give me a name or two you like in this range or any top 20 top 40 yikes um this is the first i've looked at deep in the field there and there is there are some there are some names here. Well, listen, I kind of want to say was it, was it last week Cam Young was two hundred to one, right? Yeah, no, no. There's there's names. I just don't know which ones they are. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I I look at I look at Kevin Tway played well last week. Can, is he going to play well again this week? I mean, he's a name. Um, I don't know. I can't look up his stats because my my uh, unfortunately one my one monitor is frozen here. But uh, I'd have to rely on you for that. But who was it? Kevin Tway. Oh, Kevin Tway. Oh, I haven't talked about him in like four years. Yeah, I Kevin, just Kevin Tway is negative point six per round the green. Um, I actually gained a lot putting. But yeah, T to green, he's he's pretty well in the red. Trying to find somebody. I'm trying to find somebody in this in this bottom here that'll make a cut. Why don't you go first? <laughs> well, why not? Why not Hudson Swafford at 180 to one, a guy that has won not that long ago, and um, can get really uh, get really on with his his uh, TD Green game. Um, uh, he's you know ranks in, in, in I'd say in the top. 20 and T to green here. It looks like um, in this field uh, around the green, he can struggle. Um, doesn't have a great course history necessarily, but again, 180 to one. That's what we're talking about. I don't mind him. Um, uh, when I talk about ball striking, Doug Gamma, 150 to one. Brennan Steele is a oddly enough a horse for the course. Um, I, I I penciled him today. Um, his 
last two years here. He's finished third and fourth, had a 14th in 2017 as well. He's going off a 140 to one, but plus 900 for a top 10. Uh, I like Brendan Steele um, uh, in some aspect this week. It doesn't seem like he'd be necessarily a course fit because he's more of a power player, but uh, might just be one of those things where the, the course fits his eye well. Uh, so there's a couple names that I'll be targeting down the board, uh, right in the 140 to 180 to one range. I don't think I'm going to target anybody this long. <laughs> I just don't like. I don't you like hate, this. You hate this range. Oh, every week, every week. I know. I know because it's just well, it's, 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 it's a bunch it's, of garbage. It's a roulette wheel. It really is. I mean, Danny Willett. I mean, Jason Duffner. What about what about Adam Shank at two hundred to one? This guy was he's been playing pretty well for a while. Well, okay, I'm gonna say that I'm gonna I'm gonna take that back. In the fall, he was playing pretty well. I think in the Vegas event, one of the Vegas events, he was in the final. Yeah, game. he was. Yeah, at the end of end of last calendar year. But that's what you got to look at. And this is this is a even though it's got that weak field, you could potentially get find a guy, find a diamond in the rough there. You got to look who maybe didn't play in the last event is not flying across the country and, and playing and everything. And yeah, this is a lot of just these Florida guys that are get. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's Nick Hardy at 300 to one. We know he has talent. Yeah. I think we're, I think we're good here. All right. The Honda classic uh, is in the books. We are, uh, we're only two, I guess, two weeks away from the Players' Championship. Like we said, the calendar really gets uh, fun starting last week. Uh, Bay Hill next week, um, followed by the Players, and then we're really knocking on the door of the Masters. So it should be a fun few weeks. Uh, Johnny, thanks for joining, as always. Thanks. Good to be on. Uh, your best bets. Uh, we'll have our picks up on Wednesday. Uh, check those out and see if we can bounce back from last week and uh, get ourselves a W. Uh, thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Go best bets. Go best bets.